Today on the show, we're going to listen to something from Osho about waking up from psychological sleep and then have a discussion about it. I rely on the generosity from you, the listeners, to help support this program. Typically, I travel around giving workshops and charging a fee for this. Here I am providing this content to you for free. There are over 70 episodes for you to go back and listen to, and all I ask is that you make a donation. Give what you feel that you've received from the podcast. It could be the price of a yoga class, it could be more, whatever you feel that you've gotten from it. Go to the story of me podcast.com and on the contact page there's a donate button. You can also find this link in the episode description. You can give in any currency, including Bitcoin, to help keep me out of the system. Please continue to support this program by rating and reviewing it on iTunes and sharing it with your friends. If you know anyone that you think would enjoy the podcast, please share it with them. Help me spread the word. I would like to invite you to the German Kundalini Yoga Festival. It's on June 17th to the 21st. There will be many teachers sharing their experience and knowledge with you in different workshops. There will be lots of musicians there playing Kundalini Yoga music. And it'll be a great time to get together. The theme of the festival is yoga and freedom, which is very fitting after the last couple of years where all festivals have been canceled. We'll be able to get together and meet in person and uh, have a good time. I'll be teaching a workshop there and also selling my flutes and giving consultations in the bazaar. You can go to kundalini-yoga-festival.de to get more information. There will be a link in the episode description. Hope to see everyone there. Okay, let's get to it. Beautiful am I Bountiful am I Blissful am I Waheguru Beautiful am I Welcome to the show. For new listeners, my name is Amarjit Singh and I am your host. For old listeners, welcome back. It's good to have everyone today. I hope you all are doing well. Today I'm going to play an excerpt from a satsang given by Osho about waking up from psychological sleep. And to begin with, we'll start with what is a satsang? For many of you who may not know what this is, we can look at the word in Sanskrit, sat means pure or essence with a similar meaning in Gurmukhi, the language of the Sikhs, which sat is truth, and sung is association or group. And so a satsang is usually a, a discourse given by a guru. And if you've ever had an opportunity to go to one of these or see the ones of Osho online or, or other teachers, it's very powerful if it's a good teacher. You can really feel the essence of the teacher through just the, the, the presence of being in, next to someone who is awakened. Uh, when I was in India, I would go to Prem Baba, who is a, a guru from Brazil. He would give these satsangs for a few months each year in India. And... It's a very interesting experience because you have many different dynamics going on. You have, of course, the individual dynamic of what you're dealing with in your life, in that day, in that moment, and then also the dynamics of the group. What kind of group is this attracting? 
and, of course, the dynamics of the guru or the teacher. It's quite interesting to see how the energy feels all around, especially if you go to different teachers. I know with Prem Baba, it was very special. He'd have very good musicians play music as well during the satsang to get everyone vibrating together because the group energy is very powerful. You can feel all the love in the room. In fact, Prem in Sanskrit is is love, and Baba is father, so his name in Sanskrit really is Father Love. And you really experienced this from him. You felt the kindness in his heart, and not just when he spoke, but just being next to him. And this is an interesting aspect that if you cultivate the sensitivity you're able to experience, because really the true way that a, a student would learn from the guru is not so much from the words, but from being next to this person, because you feel this vibration, and that vibration creates an imprint. You can feel their experience. And so when you're going to someone who has realized you're getting next to this vibration that is pure, that is unfiltered through an ego. And this is one thing that you need to experience one time in your life. I think it's something very special. And you would say, well, how do you know this person is self-realized? And this is up to you to recognize this because you need to feel it. And once you feel it and understand what you're experiencing, you understand what this means. And you can see the potential in all people, including yourself, of dropping this ego, of dropping these ideas of your limits that you impose upon yourself. So you go to these satsangs to give and receive darshan, and darshan is a blessing. And so the guru blesses you, and you give your blessing to the guru. And it was interesting because I remember the first time that I went at the end of the satsang, there's opportunity for you to go and bow and touch the feet of the guru. My first instinct, of course, through the ego is, why am I going to go touch this person's feet? What is this about? This is some kind of cult. This is some kind of, you know, I'm not giving up my individuality. I'm not going to to do this to submit to anyone. But, you know, I liked his words and I liked what he was expressing through his his behavior and his, his presence. And I continued to go. And then I started to understand what it really meant to go up there and bow and touch the feet of the guru. And so in India, touching the feet, which people do to older elder people, to their grandfather or older people, is a sign of respect, right? It's it's a way to let go of that ego, which I was resisting, right? Is is This is one thing about it. But it goes even deeper than this, at least it did for me, is we look at this vibration and, and what is vibration, you know, and, and what is distinct from one vibration to the next vibration. You get a crystal, right, a a particular stone, and what this crystal is supposed to do is it it magnifies or it purifies the energy around it to vibrate a particular vibration, 
right? Certain stones have different meanings or different vibrations to them. And so you get these vibrations that fit you and you put these stones around your room or wherever you are, around your meditation area. But what is a person but trillions of atoms vibrating? And when you're next to someone who is self-realized, you can feel this vibration if you're sensitive. Just like when you're next to people who are happy or sad or angry, you can feel their vibration to some extent. And feeling the vibration of someone who is self-realized is feeling this unfiltered vibration of God through a person who has removed or eliminated the ego. And this is what you're doing is you're able to get close to this and to feel this and show your respect for not just this person individually, but just this experience of God. And this is an important aspect is it is not bowing down to really this person, but it's bowing down to God. And this person is just this representation, just like we all are, but this person has been able to achieve, by the grace of God, this capacity to remove the ego, to let go of this false idea, and to vibrate the presence of God in a pure form. This is one thing that I always got from going to the satsangs of Prem Baba, is that no matter what mood I was in before I went, I came out and I felt my heart just full of love. It was very powerful. I, I went to his satsangs for almost eight years, I believe, and uh, was able to be in his presence for a long time, which was very special. And this is the way that you learn, is by being around this vibration, by feeling this imprint on your own energy. And, and this is something to take note of, because it's not only this nice vibration when you're next to someone who's self-realized, but when you're in, around people who are negative or positive or one way or another way, you're feeling this vibration, and it is causing some imprint on you. And this is why even in, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna talks about creating an environment in the space to realize yourself is to be in a holy space or to be in a pure environment. And I know many people, especially over the last several years, have a lot of skepticism when it comes to gurus or teachers. And for my kundalini yogis, with the information that came to the public eye about Yogi Bhajan, and for those of you who have seen the documentary, uh, was it Wild Wild Country about Osho? And there's a good reason to have this skepticism. But it's interesting because what we do is we project our own idea of what it means to be perfect or to be a good person. And when people don't meet that, not saying that it's incorrect or correct, but when they don't meet what we want them to be, we have this judgment for them. And I remember when all this stuff came about Yogi Bhajan and, and the public, and it was all over the social media, and people were talking about it, and it really disrupted the community of Kundalini yogis. And 
many of the people were condemning Yogi Bhajan very strongly. And, and I'm not saying what he did was right. <laughs> of course, if, if everything is true, it is a her- terrible things that he did. And of course, this is not something we should promote. But we shouldn't throw out everything about a person because of their worst actions. You know, look at all the positive aspects he's contributed throughout his life, all the people who have been helped by his teachings. Of course, we can talk about the people who have been harmed. I'm not discounting this. These people need to be helped and and healed. But we don't really understand karma like we think we do. And if you go back to an episode I talked about family karma and and spoke about my own personal experience with karma and my father and and this was very eye opening because the relationship we had growing up it was a little difficult and I blamed him for much of the the problems I had because of the way he was treating me and then many many years later I was in a deep meditation and I connected with a past life and saw that I was the initiator of this karma. And it wasn't him. In fact, when you looked at this, you saw that he was also trying to heal me in some in his unconscious way. I, I highly recommend going back and listening to that, that episode on family karma. I'll put a link to it in the episode description. But... We really don't understand the totality of karma, and so to really condemn these people in such a harsh way where we discount all the beautiful things that they've contributed, I think is not right, and it, it, it lacks really this this overall perspective of the human experience. Of course, we don't want to create suffering for anyone, and I'm not saying that what he did was positive. The same thing with Osho. You know, if you a lot of people saw this documentary of Osho and didn't know who he was before this documentary. And the documentary really it, it presents him as this cult leader who is very, you know, negative energy. In fact, you know, these people were at one point to have guns and, and causing lots of trouble. But again, look at the words that he was able to express or this message that he was able to express beyond this. And just accept, you know, who can say that they are perfect? Should we look at the worst thing you've done and then discount the best thing that you've done because of it? And this is how you should really learn to open your mind. I know a lot of people, when the Yogi Bhajan uh, news came out, they wind up cutting their hair. They had long beards and long hair, and they stopped wearing a turban. And this is fine if they want to do this, but you have to ask yourself, who are you doing this for? Right? If you're deciding, I want to wear a turban, I want to become Sikh, or I want to follow this this philosophy or this ideology or this religion, do it for yourself. Don't do it for any one person. Do it for yourself. Do what's best for yourself to remove this self-judgment the ego, so that you can see yourself in a pure way. And then this is what, hopefully, when all this information comes out, that this is really the effect of it, that people start to look at 
what is right for me and how do I serve myself, but you need to be open to experience the truth. So fortunately for many people, they're able to experience truth through self-realized teachers or teachers who are very close to this. In fact, with technology, you can go on YouTube and and participate in, in Osho's satsang, even though he's no longer with us, by just watching it and imagining yourself there and, and being open to his words. I guess the thing that I'm really trying to impress upon people is if you have a guru or you have a teacher, like we all had in this Kundalini Yoga community, Yogi Bhajan, and you find out that something is, is not right, that his expression was not as pure as we would have liked or that he made us believe, we need to remember that we're having this human experience, and as a human, we make many mistakes. I know I have, I'm sure you have, and yeah, there are people who live among us who are very pure in their heart and don't make mistakes as big as maybe what some of these gurus have done. But then again, look at what these people have contributed. Like I said, do we reduce people to their most negative actions and then discount everything else in their entire life? If we did that to you, what would be left? And I remember reading a comment on Facebook by someone who said, I've never done anything this bad. He's a terrible person. And I'm not saying that he didn't do something bad, but you also didn't inspire as many people as he has done. And so this, this argument is not the right way to look at things. And of course, if he's still alive, then you, you, you find some way to correct the situation. But the most important thing is to learn to take away judgment because someone that does this type of behavior or any type of behavior that is against and harming someone else and creating suffering, this person is creating karma and suffering for themselves as well. And karma doesn't need your help to enforce it. Okay, so now we're going to listen to this excerpt from uh, Satsang of Osho, where he talks about waking up from psychological sleep, and then I will discuss some things about it. Only few individuals in the whole history of man have been awakened. Their names can be counted on the ten fingers, not more than that. Once in a while there has been a man who has guts to come out of his sleep. It needs tremendous courage to come out of his sleep because in his sleep we have so much invested. It is just like a man who is dreaming that he is living in a golden palace with a great kingdom, with all the luxuries, 
and you try to wake him up. He is just a beggar on the street. Only beggars dream of being emperors. Emperors never dream of being emperors. That will be simply illogical. The beggar has so much investment in his sleep and dream that he will resist in every possible way not to be awakened. He will get irritated. He will oppose you that who are you to interfere in my life? Can't you even tolerate a man who is having a sweet dream? And even if you force him to be awakened, he is going to fall asleep again. Because waking he is only a beggar. Asleep he becomes an emperor. The investment in psychological sleep is tremendous. That's why all those people Gautam Buddha, Bodhidharma, Chantazu, Plotinus, Heraclitus, they all failed. They did their best. They struggled again against the sleep of man. But is still manage asleep. And whatever he is doing proves that he is asleep. These two world wars prove that he is asleep. The coming third world war can be prevented only if we can awaken enough people so those People become infectious and go on awakening other people in a chain. And it has to be done so fast because time is not much. Otherwise the sleepy people are going to destroy this earth, this life. Osho has such a beautiful way of articulating his ideas, and it's hypnotic, it's beautiful. And he says it takes courage to wake up because we have so much invested in our sleep. What does he mean by this? Almost everyone goes through life with actions that represent their idea of what they think will bring them happiness. And it may be completely incorrect. Right? We see people who are causing suffering for so many people. And we see these corporations or bankers who are 
stealing money or are so greedy trying to get so much money. And they're doing it because they believe that this is going to bring them happiness. And and we do this too. We may not be committing the suffering of, of some people, but we do this to ourselves. We think, if I get this job, if I get this degree, if I get this new house, if I have a new car, or if I have a relationship like this, or we put all these ideas that we search for meaning in, and we think that these are going to bring us happiness in some way. And once we get this idea, we start pursuing it. And the way we approach it creates a lot of suffering. And it's interesting because there was a, a comment, not in this satsang, but another one that I listened. I think maybe it was a book that I read of, of Osho's. And he made a statement which has stuck with me. And he said, self-realization is for the rich. Because when you're too poor, you think all your suffering is because you don't have money. And so you're looking outward. But when you become rich and you're still suffering, the only reflection is to look inward. And when he talked about being rich, I don't think he was talking about being a billionaire, or, but just rich in that you have the resources that you need to have a comfortable life. And I know this was really the, the case for me. Like I've talked about on other episodes, at 17 years old, I'm sleeping in my car and I have no money, no place to live. And I remember one night falling asleep in my my car saying that I'm never going to be poor again. I'm going to be rich by the time I'm 40 years old. I want to be rich. I'm tired of being poor. And, you know, I went through years of education and different experiences and different jobs. And I finally started to do very well, making lots of money and, and doing quite well. But I was still not happy. And it was very difficult for me to let go of this idea that this was not going to make me happy, making all this money. And so this is what he's talking about, is it takes courage to wake up from this dream, because this is the dream that I'm identifying myself as someone who is prosperous, and that I've achieved this level of success. And this is all the ego. And that this is what is going to make me happy. What do I have to do to let go of this idea after I've invested how many years, how much effort into trying to achieve this idea of life, this idea that I thought would make me happy? And this is why he talks about then how the beggar has so much invested in his sleep and dream that he doesn't want to wake up. Because you have all this time invested in this, and yeah, this person is a beggar because they're begging for this happiness through the, the ego. And the ego is going to help create all this, this lifestyle that they're going to feel that I am the emperor, right? He says a man is dreaming of being an emperor. But he's just a beggar, because emperors never dream of being an emperor. And he's talking about the ego, right? 
when you are living through this ego, it's not real. It, it changes. And so you're always just begging for something. You're always looking for something else when you're living through the ego because the ego is temporary. And anything that you put your value on that is temporary is going to bring you suffering. In fact, what is depression but is being unable to let go of aspects of the ego that are no longer working in your life. But the emperor never dream of being an emperor because when you don't have this ego and you are just really who you are with the value beyond the ego, removing this ego, you realize there is nothing to become, nothing that you need to give value to. Because the person is giving this value through the ego, and when you take apart the ego and you remove the ego, you realize what is left just to be. There's nothing that you need to acquire. There's nothing that you need to want to be. But as he says, the beggar has so much invested in this dream that it's difficult to change the course of your life. And this is when people start to suffer, when they start to get depressed. And we're seeing a lot of this in this dissatisfaction people have with their life, with their job, with their career, with their lifestyle, but it's very difficult to let go of it because it means letting go of an aspect of the ego. And this is what you thought was important. And so if you let go of this, what you're saying is I was wrong. And you're saying that I need to let go of something, but you're afraid to because people are not afraid of what's going to happen. They're afraid of letting go of what they already know. And you can look at your own life. What have you done that was difficult to let go of? And you can see this experience play out over and over. It's part of this archetypal experience. I had it when I left this career. You know, I'm on the path to being quite rich. Something that I thought was going to bring me the life I wanted, the happiness I wanted, and to let go of this. And to say, I need to change, I need to let go, was psychologically challenging. The decision itself wasn't so difficult. But living it, experiencing it, was difficult because you go from having a place next to the beach, having a very nice car, going to the best restaurants whenever you wanted, to getting a small apartment somewhere in a not so nice neighborhood, having a cheaper car having a different lifestyle. And so you think, I'm going backwards. And this is what we do. We put economics and comfort as the measurement for success in life. And when the economics go the opposite direction of up, when they go down, we think I'm going backwards, I'm failing. And psychologically, I can tell you for myself, this was difficult. When you have to change this way of thinking about economics in your lifestyle and let go of this as not a representation of who you are, because you built up this ego that said, yeah, I am a successful person. I went through this much education. I worked so hard, and now I have this job. And you have to let this go. But you built up this ego to define yourself, to protect yourself, 
And to let it go is difficult. Because what happens when you let go of this aspect of your ego is you have to look at the space that was created by this and what pops up in this space. The problems that you're going through in your life, that you've experienced in your life, and the ego is protecting you from this. It was keeping down all these quiet vibrations of this suffering that you haven't dealt with, of this judgment that you have upon yourself. Because Osho even goes on to say that insecurity is what causes this idea. Because when you feel you're insecure, you have to prove yourself. You have to prove yourself, maybe not even for other people, but to yourself as well. Say, well, if I do this, then I'll feel good about myself. And we see this in all aspects of life. I've talked about this before with women in makeup. Or the way you you present yourself is, oh, I'm putting this makeup on for me. Well, you're not doing that. You're doing it because it makes you feel a certain way. And so you're attached to these feelings and you're identifying with these and the ego is building it up. And you don't believe me? Well, you wear makeup, try going out, going to work, going wherever without it. See how you feel. And if you don't feel any differently, okay, then I'm wrong. But if you feel differently, examine this. So why am I trying to present an image of myself that is not true, not authentic? And what is going to appear in this space when I remove this? And this is the fear, right? The fear of letting go of what you thought was important to see the truth. And people resist this, right? He talked about, he said, the beggar will resist in every possible way not to be awakened. He will get irritated. He will oppose you. And we see this. And we can see this in other people's lives and hopefully see this in ourselves. But you can see this when you try to have, in this these crazy times, a rational conversation with someone who it's interesting, I just saw this documentary, what, what is a woman? And this guy who made the documentary went around asking all these experts or people, what is a woman? How do you define a woman? Because we're having this thing in society where people are identifying with something other than what they were, how they were born. And a lot of it is causing confusion among children. You you can see that, you know, at five years old or six years old, you don't know anything about what you want to be in life or who you really are, and you shouldn't be able to make decisions based on this. But they're starting to give, you know, young kids these very strong medications to prevent them from going through puberty so that they can change their sex or, or change their the way they look. And no one knows the long-term effects of this medication. It's, it's very, you know, powerful medication to prevent you from going through puberty. And should you really be making this choice at 13 years old? I remember when I was a kid and they asked me what I want to be when I grow up. I said a midget because I saw one on TV. So, I mean, 
you know, what what are you going to allow people to do? But anyway, so this documentary is how do you define a woman? And it went to psychiatrists, it went to these people, actually medical doctors who were giving, you know, these surgeries to 16-year-old girls taking away their breasts or giving them this transformation surgery. And when he would ask them, can you define a woman? You know, they'd he'd start out by just asking some general questions. When he got to this point, they couldn't do it. Instead of saying, I don't know, or I have this other idea, they started getting very angry and very irrational and saying, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And he wasn't doing it in a very mean way. He wasn't doing it. He was just asking these questions. Of course, you know, he had an agenda, but it just showed you that when people are attached to an idea and they can't really put any reason behind it, they get attached and they start to get angry when people try to disrupt it. And we do the same thing to ourselves when we're afraid to change our life or change our lifestyle to fit this new idea of who we are. Because it's this idea of who you think you are that is preventing you from being who you are. And Osho goes on to say, even if you force the person to awaken, he's going to fall asleep again. And we've seen this, right? In in two and a half years or whatever it's been to get people to wake up to the fact that this COVID is not the same as what they were saying in the beginning. Then the people finally, after two years, start waking up to this, but then they go right back to sleep when the Ukrainian war comes and they start reacting to the propaganda that they're being sold. And so they go back to sleep. And this is harming not just us in the individual level, but also as a group. And if you listen to the rest of this Satsang by Osho, he talks about why do you think there's war? Is because people don't want to wake up. And if you don't have them wake up, we're going to ruin this world. And this also happens then, like I said, you got these people who were believing the propaganda of COVID. And after two years, they finally woke up from it. But then they started to believe the propaganda from Ukraine and they fell back asleep. And this is what happens when you let go of one aspect of the ego, but then you replace it with another. And we do this all the time. We we take the ego to protect ourselves and we say, okay, I'm going to protect myself from being harmed or from being hurt or from having this weak image of myself because we're afraid to see who we really are. In fact, we use the ego to protect the heart. And then when the ego gets hurt, we mistakenly call it a broken heart. Because love is really strong when the ego is weak. Love is weak when the ego is strong. And when love expands, the ego contracts. And what you want to do is look for all the ways to expand love. In which ways in your life can you remove this ego to express love? And this is the process. The process of uncovering the truth. And not being afraid where this will take you, not being afraid of the results, 
but this is very difficult. It takes a lot of courage to wake up, but it causes a lot of suffering not to. I'd like to tell you about Sing Flutes. These are flutes that are made by me. They're handcrafted Native American-style flutes designed for sound healing. The flutes are tuned to the frequency of 432 hertz, the harmonic intonation of nature. The fundamental note of each flute is in a key to vibrate a particular chakra. Whether you are playing for others or yourself, listening to 432 hertz music resonates inside the body. In fact, they did a medical study where they hooked people up to a brain and heart monitor and played different instruments to them. The Native American-style flute had the most impact in relaxing them. If you're a yoga teacher, it's a great instrument to incorporate into your classes. What I do is I have an app on my iPad that has the sounds of nature, and I'll put on the sounds of rain and play over this to the students at the end of the class. It's a very intuitive instrument to play. There's no musical knowledge necessary to get started. Each flute is unique since they're handmade. I put different artwork on them. I put mantras on them related to the chakras that they're tuned to. So go check them out at singflutes.com, S-I-N-G-H-F-L-U-T-E-S.com. Use the discount code, the story of me podcast, and get 10% off. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening. Please remember to share the podcast with some of your friends. Help me spread the word and make a donation. Help support this podcast through a donation. Go to the story of me podcast.com and on the contact page, there's a donate button and make a contribution. Show your love for this program. From the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding, allow love to be the current that carries your words and actions. Why?